Good morning. I'm so glad you could be with me today in our Unfolding the Word studies. We're in a brief break from our current book study, and I'm spending a number of days looking at some passages in the scriptures, in the Gospel of Luke primarily, that talk about the final week of Christ's ministry leading to the cross, leading to the resurrection. We're doing this as a way of preparing our hearts for Easter and the celebration of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once we get to Easter, we'll go back to our contemporary study and continue in that book. I'm reading today out of Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 26. And as they led him away, meaning leading Jesus away to the crucifixion, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. And then they will also begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, into the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Jesus has been condemned and sent off to execution by the leaders of the day. One of the things we know about these leaders, both the Jewish leaders from the high priest to the, to the Sanhedrin, and the Roman leaders, is that in examining Jesus, they could find nothing really that would justify a condemnation, an execution. Pilate, who was the ultimate authority here, uh, being the chief of the Roman authority in that region, actually announces to the crowds, listen, I could find nothing. He is innocent. But the crowds, prompted by the by the Jewish leadership, agitate nonetheless for him to kill Jesus, to crucify Jesus. And so eventually, to calm the crowd and prevent a riot, he agrees and condemns Jesus to death. And so now we pick up the story as Jesus is heading toward the cross, heading toward Golgotha, publicly proclaimed as an innocent man, and yet dying, going to die at any rate, uh, publicly condemned. We know Jesus was more than just innocent of charges. He was innocent of all sin. He was the one who in all cases was without sin, chose perfect righteousness and holiness, surrendered to the will of the Father, is the nature of his life. And yet in God's great plan, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that in him we might be made the righteousness of God, as 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it. Well, let's continue on. As Jesus is now working his way toward Golgotha, toward the cross, one of the things we need to remember is that at this point, he was already physically broken. John chapter 19, verses 1 to 5, I won't read them, but that particular chapter helps us to understand that Jesus had now survived an extended flogging at the hands of the Roman authorities. 
Now, flogging was a terrible beating with whips that had had pieces of, of uh, bone and stone in the ends of the, of the thongs of the whip. He was whipped in such a way that his body was ripped. The flesh was ripped, bleeding. He was whipped and beaten in such a way that he would have been bruised all over. In fact, many floggings were so severe that the people receiving them passed out and were unconscious because of the pain and the suffering of it. Jesus had undergone this type of flogging. And now as he was headed toward the cross, toward Golgotha, he was so weak from that that it was clear to the soldiers he couldn't carry his cross the rest of the way. And so they then, it tells us, forced Simon of Cyrene to carry it for him, who was just a passerby. I mean, he, he wasn't part of the normal events, just happened to be in the, either the right place at the right time or the wrong place in the wrong time, depending on how you look at it. And so he was forced by the soldiers to carry that cross on behalf of Jesus. In Mark chapter 15, we're told in verse 21, they compelled the passerby or Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, who was the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry the cross. Well, why am I pointing this out? Pointing it out, first of all, to underscore how how physically beaten the Lord Jesus was and how weak even before the cross. But also to point out to you uh, some of the odd things that happen in the unfolding of history. This Simon of Cyrene, who was in Jerusalem, not for anything having to do with the Jews or anything having to do with Christ, uh, was in a position where he was front and center uh, for the crucifixion. He actually had to carry the cross. It had a profound impact on him because we discover in the New Testament writings that his sons, Alexander and Rufus, became believers. And not only believers, but significant people. We know, for example, that Rufus was one of the leaders of the church at Rome. Paul addresses him in such a fashion. Isn't it amazing? Going along, minding your own business, and confronted with the cross. And that changes everything. Not only for you, but even for your descendants. Well, Christ was already weak and beaten and suffering for my sin and for your sin. Now, these crucifixions were intended by Rome to be very public events. The goal that Rome had in it was twofold. Number one, the humiliation of the victim. And then secondly, the intimidation of the population to keep everybody in line. What do I mean humiliation? Well, first of all, by Crucifixion, you were putting a person's suffering and weakness and eventual death in a place where everyone could watch it. You and I as human beings, when we're hurting, when we're suffering, we like to withdraw into private situations to maintain some sense of our dignity. Rome totally reverses it and makes all of the suffering, people at their worst moments, public view public entertainment, in a sense. The result of this is that the death of Jesus Christ was a very public event. Many people saw it. In verse 27 that I read to you, it said, there followed him a great multitude of the people and the women who were mourning and lamenting for him. I mean, it was not 
just a couple of people, loving friends or family, gathered around the bedside of somebody dying. No, this was a very public, humiliating time. In that time, as Jesus is going to the cross, and we'll talk more about the cross itself tomorrow, verse 28 we read to you today is kind of a stunning verse when you think about it. In the midst of this and in the lamenting of the women, Jesus unexpectedly turns and rebukes those who were weeping for him. He told them, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves. Now, isn't that interesting? Why would he say that? Ultimately, because Jesus has no interest in your empathy. He has no interest in your pity for his suffering. Well, then what's he interested in? He's interested in your repentance and your faith. He wants you to see what he has done, understand what he has done on our behalf, and respond to it, not with a sense of pity or tears over his suffering, but as a response of kneeling before him in acknowledgement of your sin and receiving him and the work he has done on our behalf and letting him be our savior. He is looking for something much more than empathy. He wanted those women and the others to understand the reality of coming judgment. In fact, he laments for them in much the same way that he did in weeping over the city back in the 19th chapter. Listen, my experience has been that many people then and now feel pity or sadness over Christ's suffering, over the terrible death he had to endure. They feel pity and sadness, empathy, but they do not repent and believe. It's relatively easy to move people to empathy and pity. That's the reason when you're trying to raise money for something, let's say the starving or some disruption in society, you show the suffering of people. You show photos and, and videos of those suffering things, and people are moved by that. It's not difficult to move the human emotions. But brothers and sisters, empathy saves no one. You can be very empathetic that Jesus suffered on the cross and go to hell. What God is calling for us to do is to move beyond empathy to personal repentance and faith in the one who died on that cross on our behalf. Tomorrow we'll continue our study and we'll see more about this going to the cross process as Luke describes it. God bless.